Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, episode 26. This is the 200 Churches Podcast, created to provide resources and encouragement to leaders of the 94% of congregations in America under 500 members. Now, here are two gentlemen that lead in a 200 church and strive to provide information that will make you smile, think, and be challenged. Oh, and they're all around nice guys, Jeff and Johnny. Thanks so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast today. I am Johnny Craig, and as always, I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Jeff Katie. Jeff Katie. And uh, Jeff, we were we're talking about something the other day that got me thinking about what our uh, podcast topic is going to be this afternoon. But I think it'd be great if you could just start off by telling the story. You you had an interaction with some people from your alma mater. Is that well, correct? Well, I have never before in my life. I've arrived. I want you to know I've arrived. I have never before in my life been invited into a closed group on Facebook. That's fantastic. A closed group. I wonder how many of our listeners have actually been invited to a closed group. It's a select few, I'm well, sure. the closed group is everyone who went to the college I went to in the 1980s. Wow. I'm old. I was being born in the 1980s. Yeah, so I was in college. So, <laughs> yeah, I accepted, and my wife got the same invitation, and she accepted, and, and all of a sudden, the ghosts started, started flying out of the closet at us, and we started seeing all these people that we went to college with yeah. on Facebook. And in this group, it's, I mean, it's just people who went to that college in the 80s. So You said it's a pretty fun time over there, though, right? Well, Everybody's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, Nobody's being too serious about anything. No, it's but it's one of those things where, you know, it'll be fun for a week or two, and then, you know, time to move on, get some work done, you know? And so <laughs> every night, every morning, though, I look on there, and there's all these people have posted. And it's memories, and it's fun sure. times, and this Yeah, and that's that. awesome. But somebody on there said that some of the decisions, the bottom line is some of the decisions that our college made, they made because of the benefactors that contributed money to the college. And now this was a Christian college, right? You went to a Christian school, correct? I went to a Baptist school. Oh, correct. you're going to get real specific you know, now. It was a okay. Baptist college, and it was very conservative and uh, fairly strict in terms of rules for the students. Sure. And so uh, what happened was somebody, somebody made a comment about the rules, and then somebody else came, come, came up and said, you know, those rules weren't necessarily a reflection of... Uh, the administrators at the time, they were more a reflection of what the donors and benefactors would have liked to be in place. Right. In, in other words, the administration didn't necessarily believe some of those things, but because if we didn't do them, if we allowed certain things, then the people who supported may not write as big of a check to so, their alma mater as they otherwise would have. Yeah. So this got me thinking about us at 200 churches. And, uh, and sometimes I wonder if because at 200 churches, we know kind of who the big donors are, who the often donators are. Now you mean in, in a 200 church? In a 200 okay, church. Okay. Not at 200churches.com. At 200 churches. There are no don- okay. donors. Right. Yeah, there's no donators yet. <laughs> there's no, yeah, no, that's there, not there a won't thing. be. Uh, so, but we, you know, we know that, and so are we hesitant to speak boldly um, for fear of uh, offending certain people? So, really, that kind of spun into the next idea, which uh, you came up with, Jeff, which was actually what are what are the what are all the tensions that might cause us to not speak boldly? Yeah, I mean, why would you not say something? Is it because you know somebody's a big giver? Is it because they're going to be mad at you or somebody's going to make a face at you during your message? But yeah, in a 200 church, when in a larger church, we may not miss one person, but in a 200 church, we're going to miss 
one person who might walk out. So absolutely, some of these tensions, the tensions preventing us from speaking boldly. The, we came up with four, and the first one is not wanting to offend certain donors. Right. Second one, lack of a desire to stir the pot. And that's kind of a personal disposition, I think. Yeah. You know, my dad, was, my dad had a saying growing up, don't, um, don't create a stir. There you go. <laughs> so if the steak came and it was burned, well, don't say anything to the waitress. Just, just eat the just steak. Just eat it. Eat, just eat it because you don't want to create a stir. Yeah, for right. sure. The third thing is uh, discerning what needs to be said when. Right. In other words, timing. Sure. And then the fourth tension preventing us from speaking boldly is uh, uh, just the tension of knowing how to balance the truth with love. Right. So still saying it, but saying it in a way that's that's loving. And we tend to we tend to go one way or the other a lot of times when it comes to truth and love, right? Well, I I don't want to be too you know forceful with it, so I'm really going to hedge it, hedge it, hedge it until there's no boldness left. Or this is what I believe is true, and I'm going to scream it and yell it and spit it. Uh, you know, tell it like it is. Tell it like it is, and so yeah, Let that's have it. that's another tension. So that's actually the first one that I think we're going to talk about today is balancing the truth with love. And so with all these, uh, Jeff and I really we're going to talk about the two edges of the tension, and then at the end we're just going to kind of wrap this up and talk about kind of how to how to cut right down the middle. Mm-hmm. So uh, balancing the truth and love. So. Um, I think we've all seen at one point or another uh, via a YouTube video or something else, uh, preachers and speakers who blast their opinions um, on what they claim is true or what the Bible is saying in obnoxious and toxic ways. Like they have no concern, right, for the audience, the reception of, of you know, how people will take it. Uh, they don't mind if they're offensive in any way, shape, or form. They're just out there to just put it on blast no matter what. And that's, that's not really speaking boldly. No, and if you're, if you're a, a YouTuber or if you're, like, alive and have a pulse and you're in ministry, you've probably seen that five-minute video clip of this pastor lambasting several people in the church. When I saw that, one, one of the guys tweeted it, and I, you know, clicked on it on Unfortunately, when I saw that, I thought, oh, this has got to be, you know, from the 80s or from the 90s, maybe. But this thing was in HD, and it actually was just a month or two ago. And this thing was actually on it's still, it's still, as far as I know, it's still on the church's website. That five minutes of video sandwiched in a 62 minute message. And it's really, you know, we talked about putting a clip on, on, our, on our website as an illustration of what we're talking about. And we won't even do that. I mean, it's just, it's so right. bad. Right. And so that's that's really not what speaking boldly is all about, right? That's that's just bloviating. That's just shouting and screaming. Uh, and I don't really think that's what being bold is all about. So that's kind of like the truth end of uh, that's the truth end of the spectrum. What about the love end? Yeah, and in that case, if you've seen it, it really wasn't even true. No, this, it wasn't. I think this poor man just had kind of a little bit of a meltdown. Must not have had too good of a week. Well, the other side of that is, you know, being caustic and toxic is one side. The other side of it is when we're so syrupy sweet that we're actually good for nothing, you know, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. And we don't even challenge our people. We don't want to ruffle any feathers. We don't want to create any stir at all. We want this serene, you know, rippleless pond. And our people go absolutely nowhere because the scriptures do call people to a radically different lifestyle, a lifestyle that is counter absolutely. to the culture that we're in. And the bottom line is we're just not doing our job if we if we don't ever create tension and push people out of their comfort zone right. with 
spiritual truth, with scripture, with biblical truth. So those are the two, those are kind of the two extreme ends of, of balancing truth and love. What about discerning uh, what needs to be said and when? And now, Jeff, this is something you brought up to me, the importance of timing, because um, I wanted to talk about, right, speaking boldly and, and as 200 church pastors, what's preventing us. And you kind of said, well, it's good to, to know what needs to be said and when, um, that's you know we we we're not just trying to rush up and, and do everything all at once and so um, in the past episodes we've had we've talked about being in ministry for the long haul and not just seeing your church as a stopover to something bigger or anything mm-hmm. like that but really committing so if we really are committed to our two hundred church then we don't need to feel like we have to build Rome in a day uh, we don't have to go in and smack them as hard as we can with with boldness uh, right up front. Um, you know, going to the, the nth degree to uh, explain something when we have all the time in the world to kind of bring them along with us. And now you and I talk about the frog and the kettle sometimes with regard to our own church. Right. I mean, if, we, if we're so comfortable in our church that we never try to challenge people and make people uncomfortable, again, we're just doing our people a disservice. And as pastors and leaders, we're called to confront uncomfortable issues. And if we do get comfortable in our 200 church, never pushing people, we lose the opportunity to grow people, and we lose the opportunity to grow as a church. Now, over and over, we read in Paul's letters uh, to the to the people that he administered to all throughout his epistles that he is speaking very pointedly, very directly. He tells the truth. Well, at the same time, he says, we, you know, we didn't just give you our time and our efforts, but we gave you out of our very hearts. We gave our very selves to you. And so he's really an example to us as pastors of discerning what needs to be said and when, because he had, what is there, 14? Did he write 14? Epistles in the New Testament? That sounds about right. Uh, I think we'll have to count. We'll put a little (laughs) link on the podcast later on. Um, But he wrote all these letters, okay, wrote most of the books numerically in the New Testament because he didn't say it all. In fact, he didn't even say it all in one letter to the Corinthians. He didn't say it all in one letter to Timothy or to the Thessalonians. Right. He said it in two. So we have to discern what needs to be said and when. He said it. He said it. Yeah. He said it when it needed to be said. And he said it in a way that we can emulate if we're going to be like him, right, be was, like Jesus. It was very direct, even though he was very committed and loving to the people that he was speaking so, to. So those are the first two reasons why we might not speak boldly in a 200 church. And God certainly wants us to speak boldly. So let's go to the third one. Uh, the third one that we have here is we have a lack of desire to stir the pot, right? Don't make a stir, as your dad would say. Don't, don't create a stir. Don't create yeah, a, don't stir. a stir. So th- I think the reality is some people are just nicer they just have a more sunny disposition than others. So, Jeff, you and I are really both consensus seekers by nature. Why, thank you. I yeah. think you're right. <laughs> we, we are always trying to seek peace. We're arenic, as you would like to say. Uh, and so for us, it can be difficult to speak boldly sometimes um, because we have personal relationships with people because we're so nicey-nicey. Um, and that makes boldness really hard to do. When, when we want to maintain those relationships like little fragile little eggs, uh, then we might be too afraid to, uh, to stir the pot. Now, at the risk of stirring the pot, I have a book up in my office that an elder once gave me. And the name of the book, I'll just tell you the name of the book, it's Christians Are Just Too Damn Nice. And the purpose of this book <laughs> is saying that, you know, you're so nice that you don't get anywhere. And a lack of a desire to be bold, and, and in fact, boldlessness 
sooner or later is going to slowly erode your church. Yeah. And, and our goal at 200 churches and in 200 churches, it's not necessarily to grow a huge congregation because, again, many of our listeners are in remote places. It's, right. There's not going to be a huge congregation. But we also don't want to shrink it, and we don't want to run people off because people want and need to be challenged platitudes and and pie-in-the-sky stuff is going to run them off, and so we need to challenge our people, we need to be bold, and we need to not be afraid to once in a while appropriately stir the pot. How about the fourth one, John? The fourth one, and and this was the one that kind of got my whole thinking cap put on in the first place, is we don't want to offend large donors, or maybe donors of any kind. (laughs) People are giving, we just want them to keep on giving. And so the uncomfortable reality is um, churches need money to continue to operate and to continue to do the mission of God. I mean, that's just the world that we live in. And so uh, we understand the impulse to not offend and to, and to try to placate some people who are going to be big donors and to try to work around that. But we have to remember that the church is God's and and we can't we can't try to take care of the financial side. Our hope can't be put in certain members. It has to be placed ultimately in God. And so if we feel God telling us speak boldly on this issue, we can't run away from that because the money people might not like it because it's not the money people's responsibility to keep the church open. It's God's. So if you're listening to this podcast, you you can't help but ask yourself is what I st- is what I say on the platform ever affected by who's out there, by how our bottom line is right now, by whether our offerings are up or are down. You know, last week we had Greg Atkinson on the on the podcast, and he talked about trusting God more than trusting yourself, trusting God more than trusting your budget or trusting your offerings. So picking and choosing topics and, and teachings based on uh, our individual taste is, is never a good thing. It's just not going to work for us. And when we, when we either add to Scripture or we scrub down a certain biblical passage or principle, we've really abandoned our purpose and, uh, and our responsibility as leaders and as pastors. And when we're willing to modify our convictions for the sake of a paycheck— that can be an indication that maybe we got to take another look at what our motivations are and where our heart is. And if you've been in ministry for any amount of time, you've dealt with this. To, and if you haven't yet, you will to some degree or another. And uh, hopefully, I can say that in our church, we've got really great people. We've got some really good givers, but I've never sensed that there's an agenda attached to the giving. What's really unfortunate is when these people know uh, that they kind of hold the cards and they use that information to leverage power. Uh, and that's that's just not a Christ-honoring situation. That's not a Christ-like attitude. And I would encourage uh, any 200 church pastor listening today who's encountering some of this stuff, be bold. I mean, truly, just be bold um, and, and speak boldly and don't allow your fear of, of that person or, or the economic impact of that person leaving to dictate what God is asking you to do. You know, it reminds me of one of those old movies where I could say, hey, Johnny, how much do you cost? How much do you cost? <laughs> you know, is it 1000 2000 uh, I had a guy meet me in a, in a basement room in a church one time at uh, 11.45 on, Janu- on December 31st. He handed me a check for $56,000, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, this $56,000 is being given in this year, isn't it? 
And I took it from him, and I said, yes, it is being given in this year. Now, the setting and the manner in which he gave it to me was filled with all kinds of bad movie scenes. But the truth was, this guy gave, and he gave, I think, $250,000 over just a couple years. And the truth is, honestly, he never had a string attached to any of it. I didn't know where that story was going, Jeff. No, (laughs) You freaked me out on that one. Yeah, but he never had a string attached to it. And and the truth is, you know, how much do you cost? So, Pastor... um, how much do you cost? How much, how much does a person have to stop giving uh, in order to change your mind? Is it you know $1,000 a year? Is it $1,000 a month or a week? Because you know the old song, now Johnny, you know this song, but I remember it from 40 years ago. <laughs> he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The gold in every mine. I know that he will care for me. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's the truth. And and again, Greg talked about this in last week's podcast that we trust God, and that sometimes you got to say goodbye to a big giver for God to open the door for your church to reach out to a whole bunch of people that just can't maybe give that much. Absolutely. So I follow a I follow a pastor, and and he he likes to tell the story. He's told it a couple times. I've read it in a few of his books um, about a, a sermon series that he really felt like led to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something where he was going to have to speak boldly. Uh, and he got up and he, and he gave the sermon series, and fifteen hundred people left his church. And now, uh, obviously, that's a pretty big church yeah. to start yeah. off with. Uh, but no matter how big a church is, fifteen hundred people. I mean, you'll probably feel that walking out. And he he admits in retrospect that there are so many ways he could have gone about doing it differently, but but he never has said it shouldn't have been done. He never regrets the boldness. He maybe just regrets the methodology. And so maybe you're afraid of 15 people, not 1,500, just 15 or five yeah. or really one big donor walking out. Um, but what we really want to encourage you is to live in these tensions that we've discussed, right? Live between balancing um, the truth with love and and live right discerning what time is the right time to approach these things and um, you know your desire to be nice is not a bad desire but you have to balance that with the desire to be bold you know sometimes the st- pot does have to be stirred and so live in those tensions and then never abandon uh, your call to preach the gospel I mean as a leader and as a pastor that is definitely the number one priority that we have so never ever abandon your uh, your uh, call to preach the gospel. And then stand firm in the knowledge that it's God who builds and maintains the church. And Paul is the one who asked for prayer on this. He said, pray that I may speak boldly. I mean, that was Paul. And so we can certainly, uh, we can ask our people, we can ask our leadership teams, or we can ask our mom, pray that I speak boldly <laughs> in my church and that I'll say what needs to be said. And, you know, we could, we could say a whole lot more about, you know, I think about the fact that our lives have got to be where they need to be before God, or else we're not going to be able to speak boldly because we're not going to feel the authority because we don't have the integrity. We could t- those are for other podcasts. But, you know, Johnny, we've been doing this podcast now for one podcast over six months. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what I'm going to finally ask our listeners to do is to subscribe to us on iTunes. We've made it real easy for you to get this podcast right at 
our website. You know, if you go to the podcast page, you could right-click and get your MP3 and, and put it on your MP3 player or on your phone and listen to it anywhere. But if you go to iTunes, and at the bottom of our About page, there's a little link to uh, iTunes and our preview page there. What we really need you to do is go on and give us a rating. You know, if, it, if we deserve a one-star, hey, give us a one-star. Sure, yeah. And if you think, if you're getting encouraged by this, give us a five-star. And what this does, it's really your offering. It's your offering to 200 churches to help us reach to reach more pastors out there who are who are discouraged, who are isolated, who are lonely. Because what what will happen if you'd give us a, a some kind of a star rating on there is that Google will just raise our flag just a little higher, and uh, the availability of our podcast will just be a little bit easier, and then pastors can get a hold of it. So don't right. send us money. We don't need your money. Uh, we no. just basically you know need you to help us to reach more 200 church pastors. Yeah, it will help pastors out there who might be searching things like small church podcasts, you know, small church leadership, it will give them an opportunity to find us easier. Or small churches and their small pastors and little churches and things like that. Hey, thank you very much for listening. And we look forward to talking to you again on the 200 Churches Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. Feel free to give the guys feedback or ask questions at 200churches.com. And remember, the leadership that you provide in your 200 church matters big in the kingdom of God. 